Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of The London Circle, where today we'll be discussing the plight of the Uyghurs. Everyone speaks about the crimes committed by the Chinese regimes, yet it seems that very little is happening on the ground. Today I'll be talking with Abdel Hakim Idris, who is the Executive Director of the Center for Uyghur Studies in Washington, and Selman Butt, who is a lead in the Stand for Uyghurs campaign here in the UK. Enjoy! The Uyghur cause is one of those causes that you would like to think are quite clear. They're quite unequivocal. You have a regime that is regarded as one of the most powerful in the world, that is dominating um, an ethnic minority and a religious minority within its realms, within its borders, in a way that is almost unheard of. I mean, we use terms such as cultural genocide. And I fail to think of another example within our midst on the world stage where that is being carried out so systematically, so profoundly, and to, to, to the effect that we're seeing right now. It's, um, it's an internal battle that is being fought against uh, the people of uh, East Turkestan. And at the same time, you know, you look around the world and you see the political positions and you say, well, you know, this is something that many countries support. The cause of the Uyghurs, um, Washington is condemning China for what it's doing. Britain is, is condemning China for what it's doing. The Europeans and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, you then ask yourself the question, so what's happening? What's the problem? Yes, the... You know, this, this, uh, this scale, this genocide happened to Uyghurs. It never happened in the mankind or human history. So it's very difficult to explain it as is. I can uh, tell you now, uh, two weeks ago, we were uh, near Frankfurt, Heidelberg. We had an event, me and my wife. We did the presentations, detailed, where is Esturkistan, uh, geographically historically and uh, when we become Muslims uh, why the Chinese communist regime targeting on Islam because the Islam protect Uyghur Muslims from assimilation the Islamic religion is the core value for the Uyghur Muslims we survived among 1.4 million Chinese so if you look if billion you, if a China. billion Chinese yes if you look if you look in Chinese own data, they say around 12 million uh, Uyghur Muslims, plus uh, 2 million Kazakhs, yeah. Kyrgyz, Tajik, Tatar, others, Turkic Muslims, maybe around 15 million. The Chinese own data. These people survived, not assimilated, because the face of Islam protected us from this. And then there was, you know, uh, after our uh, end of the presentation, there are some, some scholars, some professors, and uh, I think some journalists. I went there, asked them, you know, what's your take away from this presentation? And uh, one uh, journalist uh, told me, you know, this is a perfection of Nazi Germanys wow. plus Soviet gulags wow. plus imperial Japanese cruelty and humanity. This is going on. It's as, as Uyghurs, we are not able to explain this at is. There are, as you said, uh, in the West, in the U.S., and uh, more than uh, nine countries uh, recognize as a genocide what happened to Uyghurs, all of them in Western countries. But still, 
still many countries uh, doesn't understand that. But those countries in Western countries looked as humanitarian issue, genocides. You know, what happened to Uyghur Muslim children? More than a million Uyghur children separated from their parents. You know, sisters and uh, girls forced to marry to atheist Chinese. And then sterilization is happening. Young people forced to uh, work as a slavery there. So the main thing is here, you know, in, in the, around the world, there are, you know, zones, oppressions, wars, you know, killings. But what happened is in Turkestan, that turned every family to a prison. Chinese communist regime put an Uyghur home more than 1.1 yeah, this, this is million. This is quite this fascinating. Is, I mean, yes. you were telling me about this, and I've, I've heard about this, but it's, it's very difficult to even fathom. I mean, what China does is essentially plant, plant a Chinese person in every single Uyghur household. So basically someone who is you, you, have, you, you have to add atheist, yes. non-believer yes. person yes. in a Muslim home. There is a, your sister or your daughter or your wife live with you 24 hours. Something seven. that is, is, is totally flies against uh, any consideration of, of privacy, any consideration of, of culture, of exclusivity, of, of anything. I mean, to be perfectly honest, We've heard stories of torture. We've heard stories of killing. We've heard stories of, around the world. But there is a specificity about what's happening, what's happening to the Uyghurs, that is brutal beyond beyond recognition. And that's something that that surely is 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 not a coincidence. It's by design. It's a scale, really, isn't it? It's a scale and throughput and using you know technology to fulfill the dreams of genocidal maniacs in the past right and um not only just genocide obviously genocide is bad enough but like many have discussed after the war on, or during the war on terror um china's discourse moved from separatist and you know um uh, that kind of language towards oh extremists and terrorists right they adopted the the, the war on terror discourse wholeheartedly you know despite on the face of it, being enemies of the U.S. Of the and West, so forth, and the Western narrative, but yeah, they've they've on this particular occasion sort of fitted yeah. their their purpose, and it's allowed them to open up the floodgates to more and more and more, you know, uh, restrictions in the name of this kind of um, problematizing of Muslim identity and 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 Muslimness. What's happening to the Uyghurs is actually literally incredible. It's unbelievable, but uh, that's why we need to, you know, speak more about this. This one that the the impetus behind the Stand for Uyghurs campaign is when we spoke to experts of, uh, in, in the cause and, and Uyghurs themselves like Sheikh Abdul Hakim, we found a few patterns. We found that, you know, why is this not high up on the agenda of Muslim households and Muslim, you know, dinner table conversations? Number one, because there's not much information that is able to escape this region, right? Number two, there's, because the, the US and the UK and the EU, for example, are and you know, some some point out the nuance. They're not necessarily pro Uyghur. They're anti-China, right? Right. And because they're anti-China, because they hate China, yeah. they'll maybe adopt the Uyghur cause or allow it to, you know, a bit, a bit of freedom. expediency. Yeah, exactly. Um, and unfortunately, the U.S. Western powers, they have very little credibility on the world stage, as you know, right? People, people, um, especially for moral and ethical issues, 
people are very skeptical when the US is, you know, criticizing another country. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of um, mistrust of information you that's see, coming this out. this particularly, of- this, I have to say, is extremely problematic because I have had several conversations with Muslims and Muslim organizations who are extremely weary of adopting the case of the Uyghurs simply because how they see it is that this is um, a Western agenda. This fits, you know, the narrative of the United States. And therefore, if you're going to fight China over this, you're actually serving, uh, you know, somehow you're serving American and Western interests. And as a result, they're, you know, they're sort of standing back and saying, well, we're not going to get involved. The least we can do is not get involved simply because we don't want to say this. I think, Sheikh, this is the hypocrisy and the Muslim ummah. I think this is in the faq on Muslim Ummah. The Muslim Ummah failed on Uyghur Muslims. You know, they should not uh, live as you know to Western countries. They should take the lead. You know, if if you know if uh, one maniac in Sweden burned the Quran, the organization of Islamic cooperation in Jeddah will gather together, have a summit, on the meeting, condemning that person. As China, as a state, communist China, burned the Quran published in their uh, websites, in their news, and then destroyed the mosques, turned in the bar. During this Ramadan, they danced and they drank alcohol in the, 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 our mosque. Nobody cared about it from Muslim Ummah. I think this is, this is as a Uyghur Muslims, you know, we are fadaf, you know. It's, look, this is 70 years. As a person, last time I spoke to my mom is 25th April 2017. I don't know my mom or my dad alive or not today. I don't know about my sisters or my brother and their children. And if I make a dua, how, how do you make a dua? Allahumma arham amwatana wa ahyana. I don't know. This is my dua for my parents. I am only one from many thousand Uyghurs, which you are uh, already visited in Istanbul, Saddam. And still, you know, have this discussion. It's a West uh, hate China against China. And if we support the Uyghurs, uh, we are with the Western. I think this, this should be, you know, get rid of it. I think this is, this is uh, in my opinion, it's, it's hypocrite. Many Muslim leaders, look, if somebody, for example, like a Salman Rushdie, get a fatwa from Mullah in Iran to kill him. But Iranian regime, Today, sit down with the CCP doing business. If you look in the Hezbollah's websites, I'm looking at Arabic websites, you know, observing them. If, if it comes to Uyghurs, same like a communist Chinese regime. Silence. And one, one, one thing I will mention here too again, Al-Akhbar, Akhbar al-Yum in Egypt. Go on the websites, you will see in the first page, Al-Akhbar Minasin. Al-Akhbar Minasin, written and edited by China Radio International in Beijing. And the normal Egyptian people think it's from Al-Akbar. Same is maybe my brother Salman know the down newspaper in Pakistan. It's a huge news Pakistan. If you look there, news from China, same. And they are, you know, taking over the, the media, newspaper, even think tanks. Then they are helping some schools uh, with iCloud system, CTE, Huawei system. Like uh, if you look in the, the Muslim Ummah's memory, if it comes to Uyghurs, it's dark. 
you can never see. There is some some talk about Chinese Muslim, which is in in China. There are Muslims, but if if it comes to Uyghurs, darks. Is Turkestan is uh, as as apart from Islamic Ummah, it's the it's the gate for the Islamic Ummah. Imagine, as a Uyghur Muslims, we had to deal with Chinese more than thousand years before we become Muslims, after we become Muslims. You know, we have experience how to deal with them because we were the, like a qala, yes. like a, you know, keeping the Islamic Ummah force, holding, yes. Uh, yeah, and back Chinese. if uh, we were the, like a buffer zone between Pakistan, China, Afghanistan, China, Tajikistan, China, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, China. If this Ummah, the Uyghur Ummah, Right now, China uh, trying to eradicate us, eliminate us, doing this uh, this uh, area second the Andalus. If they get, you know, the, if the Uyghurs get away, the, those people the next become the, the Chinese neighbor. They don't have this experience. It's, uh, I mean, one of the biggest challenges. Let's. I mean, I'm trying to uh, to think of how it's possible to best. Um, advocate, promote, tell the story, and and then design a plan in order to support. And the biggest problem is the fact that China is such a closed um, system. Uh, we know very, very little about what's happening in China. I think this was exemplified more than any other time during the COVID outbreak, uh, not knowing whether what happened, where exactly, was it man-made, was it within a lab, was it and despite the fact that millions around the world lost their lives to COVID, the world never really got to grips with exactly what's happened. I mean, there are assumptions, there are theories and the such. So to imagine something of this magnitude also getting out to the world, it's, it's a huge challenge, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a big challenge. But at the same time, the scale of what is happening is immense. I mean, last year, I, I think I remember CNN, no less, CNN went on this campaign, flew drones, used satellite images, uh, exposed that there are concentration camps, interviewed people secretly, talking about the kind of treatment they, that they suffered at the hands of the, of the authorities. And the story was, was, I would suggest, from a campaigning point of view, was absolutely exemplary. So where are we falling short? What's the so problem? The, I mean, like I mentioned, the, the U- CNN, okay, it's the U.S., Right, and it has very little credibility around the world, and it's their own fault because of decades of you know active misinformation and and disinformation. The answer for us as Stand for Uyghurs, for example, is we need to empower our own narratives and our own research and our own speaking to Uyghurs directly, and uh, to empower an, a Muslim-led response to this. Because um, when you say Muslim-led, are you talking about people, or are you t- talking about countries? People. As far as we're concerned, initially, right? Obviously, we need to we need to um, put pressure on people, you know, levers of power and so forth. But in terms of the people, um, what we heard when we spoke to the Uyghur leaders were, you know, when China ramped up, the Chinese Communist Party ramped up its genocidal campaign against the Uyghurs, they made calculated decisions. Correct me if I'm wrong, yes. Sheikh Abdul Hakim. That okay, U.S. Congress, British Parliament, the EU. Um, rights groups, they're going to condemn this. But we have a way to mitigate that. We have a way to respond to that. Or you're just anti-China, what's the disinformation, and so on and so forth. So they had a, a setup to you know, prepare themselves for that onslaught from Western powers and so forth. 
But what they didn't bank on was Muslim civil society's mood turning against them. And that is what we're trying to affect here and with Stand for Uyghurs and campaigns from the Muslim civil society quarters that they banked on the silence of Muslims around the world. And as you mentioned, they've spent huge, vast yes. amounts of money buying you know, influence, buying uh, pages in national newspapers all around the Muslim world, you know, uh, trying to uh, control the agenda when it comes to you know, information and, and knowledge production. But when they see Muslims, this is what we heard when we, when, when we start making noise online or in the streets, when they see Muslims with beards and hijabs shouting Allahu Akbar and Takbir and La ilaha illallah, from that perspective, they, they didn't know what to do. Okay, they they reacted in a very disproportionate way. For example, you know when we we see examples of sister, I think her name was Zumrat Dawood, right? When she was put into concentration camp, her husband a Pakistani national, he went to the media in Pakistan, and within a few days she was released, right? Um, and and you see, you know, on Twitter, for example, firstly the Chinese Communist Party did not engage with Twitter, right? But when in response to people making a noise, people talking about this. Um, they, you know, all the you know, senior members of the Chinese Communist Party, they join Twitter, for example, and they get they and and they get you know involved in fights, <laughs> people on, on Twitter and stuff, and and trying to you you'd think that you know a a, a a country a regime wouldn't wouldn't react so wouldn't stoop yeah wouldn't stoop to, to that an, level to an and extent. react in such a, an extreme way you know holding press conferences and wheeling out kind of. Uh, you know, uh, Uyghurs, Uyghurs who will speak saying, yeah, uh, saying nothing is happening, yeah. this is all a charade and, uh, and all of that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, what you said is uh, right. For example, uh, you know, there are enough material there. We cannot say China is like a box we cannot see. Right now we have, you know, more than uh, Xinjiang police file there. This is the, the, with the more than 5,000 pictures. If you go there, you know, 13 years old, uh, young girl detained because she learned some words from Quran, written with the pictures, with the ideas. On 73, grandma is detained and put in the concentration camp because she prayed. This is, this is not what we're saying. This is the, you know, Chinese own leaked data the, 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 from, from Xinjiangpolicefile.org, for example, if you go there, it's fine. And then there was, you know, uh, a leaked document, uh, the summary from this leaked document uh, published on New York Times, but not entirety. In entirety, there are some speech from Xi Jinping. You know, uh, what he's saying is we have to transform those people to Han Chinese. So it, imagine I had, you know, some, some, some interviews with the former uh, camp survivor. There are because they are survived because, as uh, Brother Salman said, there were uh, foreign uh, citizens, foreign country citizens. What they said, you know, they let sitting you like the tiger chair everywhere, you know, like a, what we called us the, these arms. Yes, the arms. Hitler. Letting you sit there one day, one week, months, a year to condemn and regret religion. You will say, you know, I was wrong to believe on Allah. I was wrong, you know, not to tell to my son or my brother, don't drink alcohol. I was, you know, like this. They said, you know, if, if uh, as a Muslim, if you killed, said, tamam, you shahid, it's done. But sitting and, you know, in your brain, 
you know, time on the time again, regret what you believe. It's it's worse than death. So, but, but let me understand because I know very very little of of what's happening in China. Why is this such a threat? I mean, why is it coming down on the Uyghurs so heavily? I mean, what kind of threat? It's it's, you know, you said the population is one point four billion. It's one of the largest countries in the world. It's one of the most powerful economically countries in the world. It's one of the most powerful militarily countries in the world. Why is it threatened? by the fact that someone, a 73-year-old grandmother prays or a 13-year-old girl learns verses of the Quran. Why is it such a threat? Am I being naive yeah, no, asking no, no, these no, questions? No. You're right, because you know we cannot go inside the brain of Xi Jinping or their leadership, but we can assume uh, what, what they are thinking, what are, are they saying. There are many aspects. Historically, they want to you know, uh, conquer those areas. Because if they take over the Uyghurs, the Turkestan, they will, you know, have the large area in Central Asia historically. Then uh, ideologically, the Ch Chinese Communist government uh, under the uh, leadership of Xi Jinping, which is, you know, product of the Cultural Revolution, darkest side of humanity, is creating one nation, one language, one history. Even they are uh, occupying our history too, you know, one history and one ideology and the one party and the one leader as a god. This is their aim. So if you look, you know, Uyghurs are uh, from geostrategic or from others or no threats because they occupied us almost 70 uh, years ago. And uh, the Uyghurs are located maybe 15 or 20% of Turkestan. If you look the area from Kashgar to Yarkin, Dukhotan, Kuchar, Turpan, there, you know, the rest rest of Turkestan is under control. Uh, there is a company, Xinjiang Production Construction Corp. As a Britain, exploit India with East India Company. As a Dutch, exploit Indonesia, those area with the East Dutch. Belonging 80% that, that water, land, cotton field, minerals, the new uh, sonar panels uh, field, belonging those company. They, they, are, they have more than 3 million members. This is like a state in state. So then if you look, why are doing this Uyghurs? So I think then uh, that this, this to, to today China cannot uh, tolerate other than Han Chinese. This is this is the danger. There there are many people you know naively say, okay, well, there is a West, there is a East. If China took the control over the world, what will happen? There will happen what happened to Uyghurs because we you know from physically we are others. We have other religion, other nationality, we have history, geography. So they took everything from us and they put them, you know, eradicating. And even, even uh, if you look to, today in Turkestan, uh, the Kashgar, for example, Kashgar is one of the uh, a city like uh, Bukhara, Samarkand, Asfahan, uh, contributed for the Islamic civilization, huge, you know, from writers, poets, from medicine, you know. We are uh, from this area. We Uyghurs are, you know, from Turkic people, among the Turkic people, if you look more educated, more knowledgeable, more uh, they settled in the city, you know, and then the historic. So this is, 
uh, uh, tragic event, and th there are many reasons. Yes. As I said, those are the, the main reasons. You know, um, you mentioned the uh, stand for, for Uyghurs, uh, this campaign. H how many countries do you have a presence? So when we started off in the UK, as you, know, you were part of it as yes. well, obviously, you're still part of it. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we've got people from uh, Australia get, get in touch, uh, South Africa, even the US, um, a few European Canada. countries, you know, Canada. And alhamdulillah, it's, it, the, the word is spreading, alhamdulillah. And um, what, what, what we're trying to do is basically keep it very specific that this is about stopping the genocide we want this is our call it's very simple we want to let you know what what the future is that should be decided by the Uyghurs, by the Uyghurs right? itself um we don't want to get involved in you know uh, uh, any any debates amongst Uyghurs like what is the future what is the solution but a, a clear solution or a clear um point of action that everyone can agree on is stop the genocide right and that's what we want to um put pressure on any 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 possible lever of power of the of kind of that details we, that, that uh, Abdul Hakim spoke of, and that you know we've we've heard, we've read, we've we've mm -hmm. we've we've seen um, being told by by survivors. Does that information get through to you know wherever the campaign exists? Yeah. So one of the one of the, the so the, the the broad aims of the campaign is to try to address those issues that we saw that were preventing this topic from you know becoming. Uh, norm, normal to discuss in, in Muslims, you know, in Muslim circles, du'a in masjids, you know, uh, as close to our hearts as as Palestine or Kashmir or these these types of uh, causes, right? So one of the things is people. There's a growing sense of powerlessness that you know, how can we do anything as China or whatever? So we want to highlight examples for people that where your voice actually matters, as Muslims, for example. Uh, not only where where it can lead to impact, but even if it weren't to lead to a direct impact, you still have as a duty as a Muslim to speak out against this, to do whatever is in your ability, you know, give moral support to the Uyghurs and so forth. And also we want to inform people. So, you know, the first aim of the campaign is to motivate. Second is to inform and, and, and spread knowledge. Who are the Uyghurs? What is happening to them, right? So to reintroduce the story of the Uyghurs, the narrative of the Uyghurs, the narrative of Turkestan, East Turkestan, into the broadened story of the Ummah for people. So that my children, you know, people in my community, it knows that just like there's a place called, you know, uh, Pakistan, just like there's a place called uh, you know, uh, Somalia in the Ummah, there's a place called East Turkestan as well. There's a, there's a people called, you know, the Uyghurs, for example. Um, and also we want to spread information and knowledge about what's happening to them. Okay, so we have those testimonies. We have things like the Uyghur Tribunal. We have things like the Xinjiang police files, things, you know, leaks and, 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 connecting, mm -hmm. and connecting survivors and getting their stories out directly, right? So we can't, you know, we, we don't need to worry about disinformation and so I, forth. I've These been, are people that you can over speak the years. I've, I've been involved in in several campaigns, many campaigns, and I I know that for every campaign there are various aspects, the political, of course, uh, but then there's the humanitarian, there's the legal, and there's you know whatever tools you can use whether it be public relations or media or the such and without utilizing all of these aspects it's going to be very very difficult you can't just focus on the political without the humanitarian you can't just focus on the humanitarian without the legal and so on and so forth how engaged is the the, the, the Uyghur 
community outside of, of Turkestan, of course. How well do you think are they engaged with uh, human rights organizations such as Amnesty, such as Human Rights Watch and various others? This is, you know, uh, very important questions. I'm sitting here. China's hand is my neck because they have my family, my father, my mother and my sisters. And I came out, uh, you know, knowing that and uh, I'm advocating for those uh, families. But there are many Uyghurs. They are scared of death. Of course. You know, they, 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 I cannot expect them from them to be like me, you know. Uh, and this is very difficult to everybody come to out. But thanks to God, uh, we were very small uh, Uyghur population and, 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 and uh, immigrant in the Western country. If you look in the UK, it's not 1,000 people, imagine, yeah, in all yeah. UK. In Europe, around 15,000 from, you know, uh, north to, to, to uh, south. In America, around 10, Canada, 5. But still, we were able to tell our story, our tragedy, you know, knock the door by senators, by uh, amnesty, by human rights watch, by you know, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, where we could, you know, because we are, are, are there happening, nobody cares. So we get, try to, what to get. And thanks to God, as Brother Salman said, we were able to organize Uyghur Tribunal in the heart of London, an independent uh, uh, courts, which are chaired by Jeffrey Nice, who was the, you know, uh, chair, and then the Dan Huck, and the, uh, uh, give the verdict for the, former uh, Yugoslavian um, uh, President Milosevic. And we were able to collect more than 1,000 uh, testimonies from the Uyghurs. Even a Chinese policeman who testified in front of the, uh, the tribunal. So that they looked at it, they looked at evidence, and the verdict was genocide, torture, and crimes against humanity from the independent. Then we have, you know, from Uyghur, uh, UN Human Rights High Commissioner. By the way, before the Xi Jinping began this genocide, if you, if you look back, you know, 2016, when the uh, President Trump, uh, you know, uh, pulled out from the UN as uh, America first, you know, he pulled out from the UN Human Rights Council. What did China filled in? China brought his friends in the UN bodies. And the, the, the current general secretary of UN, Guterres, is one of the China's friends, former uh, uh, Port Portuguese prime minister who was bailed out by China. And he brought uh, Michel Bachelet from Chile to be human rights commissioner. And from that commissioner, I, I, I say this is like a Chinese table because we went to Geneva many times. We secretly met with the producer and the investigator. We brought the, 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 the witness there. And the, so from this table where China was sitting there, came out crimes against humanity. Imagine, still. So then there are many reports. And it's, it's, it's a genocide against the Uyghurs and the Kazakhs, other Turkic Muslims. And still, uh, what, what afraid me, you know, that the silence or uh, support for, uh, for China from the Muslim countries. In the, in the history of Islamic Ummah, Organization of Islamic Cooperation, 2019 in Dubai, they supported this genocide. Imagine, they didn't condemn it. They supported it. 
What they said, we support China's attempt to elimination poverty, the radicalization, those things, you know. This is like a, sh a shame on, the, on, on this body, uh, the, the OIC body. Uh, again, we, you know... Uh, How do you explain that politically? How do you explain that? Why? I mean... Politically? I mean, this, is, I mean, this seems to... I, I mean, I understand that the majority of Muslim Arab are, are quite aligned with the Americans. So you think I, that uh, naturally they'd vote... You know what happened at the, at the particular this meeting, before that meeting, uh, the then uh, uh, Organization of Islamic Cooperation, there are some departments for the minority Muslims. From this group, from minority Muslim department, once then over 19 diplomats to our country. They visited Urumqi, Kashgar, even and there were some uh, diplomats uh, from Kazakhstan with them. Okay. Because they speak our language, yes. they are Kazakhs. Yes. Uh, the, the, the colleague said that the, the diplomats from Kazakhstan was real communist. They began to talk to Chinese like a comrade. Oh, then what he saw what happened there. And then they, they had, you know, like a, with Chinese communist party chiefs there a meeting. He said, this is happening, that's happening. China denied. And he was, uh, you know, like outraged. And the, the, there was a, like a uh, diplomatic crisis with his languages. And they came back, you know, uh, said for the OIC, OIC, this is happening. There is worse human rights violations happening. There was the language to condemn what China is doing there. In the one night, uh, because every, uh, every OIC summit, if you look at there, there will be more than 30 Chinese diplomats. They are meeting with the diplomats, with the ambassador, with the foreign minister, and even a last uh, a foreign minister, the, the last meeting from OIC, what's uh, happened in, in Islamabad, they participated the Chinese foreign minister Wang Yi there, and this, this organization. So they are, they don't know how they change in the one night, the language, you know, turned 130 degrees. So, because this is maybe that some, some Muslim countries, you know, uh, want to take some benefits from China's uh, uh, economic or security or military uh, power today. But this is betrayal on Islamic Ummah. I mean, the, I realize, I understand that China is, has been now for uh, over 10 years building it's Belt Road, the new Silk Road, as they say, and it drives, you know, down the middle, if you wish, and center of the Islamic world, uh, past uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and then it reaches to the uh, to the uh, Gulf, uh, and then it crosses over through Saudi Arabia, Yemen, into the African Horn, into the heart of. So, of course, there's there's a strategic expansionist regime happening, happening, and probably some of those countries are loath to speak ill of China in order. But is this, I mean, I, I'm trying to, uh, to, to, to understand uh, whether this is, let's say, being nice to China publicly, but secretly, they're actually pushing China really hard. I mean, I'm hoping that that's the case. Do you think that I mean, there's any... any you know, Abdul Hakim mentioned something uh, kind of in passing. I think we need to probe a bit. He said the Uyghurs or the people of Turkestan, they've had a thousand years of experience how to deal with the Chinese. If they get rid of them, the new neighbors for China won't have that experience. Are you suggesting here that China is slowly almost colonizing 
uh, the Muslim world or the, the the its neighbors? Does it have does it have a desire to expand and expand and expand further until it kind of subsumes everything into? Yes, it? Uh, this is the book. Uh, by yeah. the way, okay, it's a good segue. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> one is in Arabic, one is in English. This is uh, maybe thirty percent is from uh, about the Uyghur genocide. Rest is about China's Belt Road Initiative. To understand the China's Belt Road Initiative, you have to understand XPCC, what I before called, you know, this, yes. this uh, paramilitary organization in like our the, country. Like the East India, East India uh, company, company, like this, you know. This is, uh, this is like a Belt and Road Initiative is global version for this company. So one example I can uh, give you, right, or two maybe. For example, in Pakistan today, there's a CPEC authority, China, Pakistan Economic Corridor Authority. They have more than 70 billion US dollar budget. They, uh, China get the, the Guador port. Yes, yeah, on from the Gulf. There, yeah. Built like a city there for Chinese. On the, those, this, this Chinese city and then the net of the Guador port is you know, secured by the Pakistani special army. They're protecting them. And then uh, if you look today in Lahore, Rawalpindi, the normal Muslim there paying three, four times high for electricity because 80% of the Pakistani electricity company belong to China. Correct. And Correct. train system belong to yeah. them. Yeah. And the one thing, why I, why I uh, say that the Belt Road Initiative is a global version from XPCC because XPCC is state in state. CPEC, that the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor Authority, is independent authority. It's not under Pakistani parliament. It's not under Pakistani prime minister, not the Pakistani uh, under presidents. They're sitting former generals, former people from the spy or intelligence service. They're managing it. And they, for example, the brother Salman is Pakistani businessman. He has idea. He has money, he has capital, but he needs license. To get the license, he have to go, you know, way on the pay the bakshish, and maybe until he get this idea, two three months. But if Chinese come to Pakistan, same idea. He will not take God's authority. Instantaneously, you know. Instantaneously. The same is, for example, in Egypt. Uh, this book is, you know, I, I already uh, wrote it in 2019, 2020. At that time, they began to to build the new capital. You have to look to the new capital. Who financed it? Who insured? Who who was, you know, a project given? Who built it? And today, the the uh, the, the who will manage it? And I think I get shortly, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The, the government moved already there, began to pay rent for this company. And if you look there, surveillance is important issue. The, the ZTA, iCloud system, 5G system, all installed and managed by Chinese regime. Even China, China built the, the, the information cables from Beijing to Egypt and around the world. So the Egyptian, if the Egyptian military have a secret saved on the computer, they will go to Beijing. And the, 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 there, is, there, is, there is industrial park and Suez Canal. You know, even if you go there, the Suez Canal industrial park, 
they, they have the street names, Shara, Tianjin, Shara, Shanghai. They bring China to Egypt. And there are many companies, Chinese companies, and they are, you know, uh, using some uh, uh, Egyptian youth today. Maybe they will pay for them today a wage. Imagine what the Uyghurs are right now. We've uh, working for free as a slave for the Chinese company. They will get to Egypt. This contract will get some Egyptian military guy. He will bring people from the prison to those company, letting them work for free. If the prison is empty, there will no no law, you know, for the no campaign. So what 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 we are saying is maybe as a Uyghurs, we are not just asking for the Muslim Ummah to help us, but Allah give us two two obligations. One is to fight this evil and the devil, you know, uh, 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 force uh, against humanity, against religion. Other is they come in danger from the east. And we want to warn our brothers and the sisters around the Muslim world, you know, not happen because as you know, uh, 12th century, 13th century, uh, we were, you know, looking uh, for crusader from the west, thousand years, you know, what happened? We were never pay attention to east. Chinggis Khan came, destroyed the civilization and then the Central Asia, Asfahan, Bukhara, Samarkand, all, you know, burned the books in Baghdad, killed the ulama. And what happened since then, maybe one of the reason is as a Muslim's ummah, we lost our being number one. Baghdad was Silicon Valley at the time. Yes. You remember yes. that? Yes. But today, the Chinese not coming with the horse, not with the sword, not with the tank, not with the rocket. They don't need, you know, because they came in, they, they, they're buying information. If they have with the money, the smile, the face, and they if they buying, you know, they don't need to bring some some intelligence people because they can, you know, buy those intelligence people working for them. Yeah, I mean, I think that the points you mentioned is is quite uh, quite important and it's quite uh, pertinent. The fact that uh, China is so heavily involved in establishing the infrastructure for the new administrative capital in Egypt, for instance, to the tune of billions. And it has the technology to um, basically find out, you know. To, to, so that, that's it, kind of the answer to your question, isn't it? Yeah, so why are they, yeah. why are those Muslim countries silent? I mean, the U.S. imperialism, Western imperialism, is quite straightforward. We'll yeah. bomb you. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll invade you. We'll do this. We'll do that. But the Chinese kind of uh, method is we've we've embedded ourselves so so much into your country's infrastructure that you you know you you can't say no to us and that's I mean, that's the argument at least tell me about the british government what what kind of response has there been i mean i i i have heard some good statements i've heard some good things condemning china again is that position exactly like the american one i.e being anti-china rather than being pro-human rights and pro the uyghurs or the such or what is exactly i mean one thing one thing we have to be fair we have to give credit where credit's due right um there's a difference between structures and systems and people right the system the structures they may be indifferent to muslim suffering on a on the grand scheme of things and they care more about scoring points against china and so forth but there are honest and sincere people, whether they're politicians, whether they're, you know, um, academics, you know, there are, we've met um, professors who have been researching the Uyghurs for decades, even before the recent, you know, uh, escalation in, in hostilities against them. And they have a sincere, you know, um, desire for 
getting getting this information out to the world you know creating quality research you know quality information knowledge production that is going to help people find out about what's happening to them and there are politicians who have made some good statements and have um uh, not just politicians but all through from from the from the you know the, the top all the way down to the you know the policeman in the street who's who's um kind of a uh, supervising a demonstration outside the Chinese embassy you know we found in stark contrast to the mood we get from for example Palestine demonstrations and so forth where there's a there's a there's an air of kind of hostility and so forth we found you know people were actually glad that we we're, we're demonstrating outside the Chinese embassy you know just you know average people citizens walking across the street you know giving a thumbs up saying yes good you know good on you uh, and we found this uh, in in many places so the uk the, the, probably other western countries as well we have to um utilize the freedom that we're given the relative i guess um you know the 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 the, the fact that we're swimming in the same direction as yeah. the foreign policy yes okay we have to utilize this and bring on more organizations more muslims more influential people that maybe have a lower risk tolerance let's say you know they don't maybe don't, don't want to uh, speak about speak against uh, israel or, or india or something because they might feel you know fear for their organization or maybe their charity and so forth we found with Uyghur cause because of the relatively permissive state status and and uh, you know in in the uk context we were able to get many many more uh, ulama organizations charities and so forth on board non ngos on board to you know raise their voice about this uh, about this issue so um we we're, we're using this also as you know a, a, a kind of um uh, an opportunity to fortify uh, you know uh, as muslim as a muslim community fortify ourselves and find our own voice you know to be able to speak about confidently about our own issues you know from our own perspective you know uh, again uh, because of my experience running several campaigns i realized that there is a fact of life that we need to deal with and that is that in in the majority if not in every single one of those campaigns whether they be for iraq or for syria or for libya or for kashmir or the such there are going to be divisions. There's, uh, you know, everyone is a victim, but uh, they don't see eye to eye. One of the accusations leveled against the Uyghurs abroad is that they have failed to come together and work as one. Now, I think that is an unreasonable request. I think, personally, I think that's a, in fact, I was debating with someone just a few weeks ago about the Palestinians, talking about national unity. Oh, the Palestinians need to come together. I said, no, they don't need to come together. They can be as anyone within the family, you have divisions. And what needs to be recognized is that their cause is right, regardless of where they stand. So I am a firm believer in that. However, the divisions within the Uyghurs, despite the fact that they are so limited in numbers, is quite significant. No, I, I disagree with you. Okay, <laughs> okay. go ahead. Yeah, Please disagree. do disagree. You know, uh, despite uh, China's attempt to, to divide us in abroad, because as I said, you know, they, they have some power on us uh, because our loved one is in their hand. As a Uyghurs, uh, we are we're able, we are able today, I can say, you know, 80-90% united under four umbrella organizations. One is the World Uyghur Congress. One is the uh, Union of Turkestan Organizations. One is the uh, ulama, scholars. Other is Uyghur academia. And uh, those organizations, 
these the four organizations, we have like a member, we call member, this is the group, we uh, consolidate. And then we have every year we what we call istisharat. Uh, so we gather together yeah. and they sit together and they say, okay, we have this priority this year. And then everybody goes and do this Works, job. Uh, and for them, this, this, I think this is a, a brilliant, brilliant idea because, you know, China uh, is uh, try to us, you know, like uh, if we're one, one organization is united, we 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 were before 2004 2006 you know we were under one organization what happened is then uh, they circle our leadership you know and if the circle our leadership you cannot move so today we are many but we are, we have decentralized uh, de decentralized movement but the, and the goal and the objective is we are united. Okay. Our flag is united. Our name is united. Our religion is same. You know, we want to stop this genocide. We want to have uh, the, the dean back. You know, we want to f uh, uh, fight for the ch against the Chinese disinformation, and that there are some. You know, many. Uh, Do you seek to uh, create an independent East Turkestan? You know, uh, this is uh, this is the, the the important question to answer it. Give me a little bit time to explain this one. Time is yours. You know, uh, if you look uh, history, the East Turkestan was as an independent country. It was never part of China. Even uh, during 1933, if you look back 1933, all among the Muslim countries, there were two independent country, Muslim country. One is Turkey, just demolished the Khalifa and uh, a secular country. Yes. Another was Afghanistan. Rest other countries were under British, French, Dutch, Portuguese, Russian colonization. At the time, first in the, in the history, you know, Republic, Turkestan Republic established in Kashgar. You know, it's the first Islamic Republic. Republic, yes. And then, and then, and then as, as a thinker, you can, you can look at, you know, uh, I, I, I can tell this one, Islamiyet, Azadiyet, Adalet, Khuwat. Maybe you can understand. Islamiyet, you know, from Islam. Yes. Azadiyet is freedom. Freedom, yes. Adalet is justice. justice. Yeah. Khuwat is Brother, brotherhood. Yeah. Those, those principles that our, our ancestors tried to establish, you know, with this idea. So the Uyghurs are, you know, like a, a real thinker at that time. And then uh, what happened against, you know, uh, with, with uh, Russian at that time? British were in and then to, to next to India and China, they you know like a, didn't accept it, demolished the, the Turkestan. Then again, our uh, ancestor you know tried to uh, uh, create modern republic. 1944, we had East Turkestan Republic. This time, like a Western style nation states. Yes. You know? Around what time was this? 1944. Okay. Yes. And until 1949, you know, we had the schools, we had on army, we had on flag, we had on generals, you know. So what happened is, again, Stalin invited the leaders of the Turkestan to Kazakhstan. And the, the, they said that the plane is uh, crashed. They killed them. Then, you know, that they brought the Chinese communist mouth to us. So give us actually to Chinese occupation. And from 1949, since the Chinese occupation to our country, the, the genocide never stopped. 
the war on Islam never stopped. Imagine. Even the, the word, even the word Xinjiang, is, it means yes, a new territory. Yes, new territory. Yes, territory. Kind of it's a colonial name. And then 1952, a Chinese, you know, counted the Muslims, uh, the mosques in our, uh, our country at that time, 20, uh, 27,900 mosques. And in 1978, after Cultural Revolution, 2,700 mosques. They destroyed already at that time. You know, that they tested in our country more than 45 times nuclear test. Many Uyghurs died, you know, because of cancer. They, they, they you know, like a, treated as like a, somebody not belong to them, you know, like a colonial. And then what happened in the 80s when the Soviet invaded Afghanistan and the Soviet put the, with them to invite China, China like a crossbow. And they give us a little bit, you know, 10 years time to take our religion again, you know, build the mosque. That was the time. So today, when, when the Chinese communist regime put every Uyghurs, every Kazakh, every people from a native land in the concentration camp, and they destroyed, you know, live together. And it's, it's not crime, you know, to, to have independence. Absolutely. It's because, not crime. because, you know, if, if uh, Scotland wants independent, nobody says separatist Absolutely. or terrorist. Absolutely. Or Catalan says, you know, independent, nobody does it. And the Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, they get the both way. Nobody said it. We were occupied by Chinese communist regime. And uh, they, well, they want to get rid of the uh, sound of uh, azan or uh, masks. In our country, only way is you know to have independence to, to so, survive. So this is this so is the goal this is long is, goal. The goal is yes. and the dream is an independent East Turkestan. This ruled is ruled by the Uyghurs for the Uyghurs for the future of the Uyghurs and for you know for Islam, Adala, justice, and for freedom and for brotherhood. And and nobody, nobody, you know, nobody accused China. China is today one of the five member uh, state in the UN uh, uh, Security Council, right? China is in UN uh, everybody's. China is present in Interpol everywhere. Nobody asks China why you are conducting genocide against Uyghur Muslims. Why are you doing this? Nobody. If, if they want to tell this, you know, they buy that some countries, third world countries, including Muslim countries, and then in their pockets, and the, the uh, many Muslim uh, states uh, become their uh, partners. Unfortunately, uh, this is long run, uh, not in their interest. Abdul Hakim, thank you so so much, Salman. Thank you so so much. This was a fantastic discussion.